Mana 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 this is social discasting. Welcome to Social Discasting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton housecape in which we find ourselves. I hope you're well. My guest is a host specialist in the Central Arkansas Library System. She's a moth maven, a seed specialist, and a fellow Arkansan. Please welcome Laura Neal. Welcome. Hey, thanks hey. for having me. Of course. Thank you for doing it. I really appreciate your time. This is my first podcast. Nice. You're you join a handful of people that have had their first time podcast experiences on the show, which is pretty cool. One of them a writer of a upcoming Adam Sandler space epic. So there's that. Cool. Yeah, great company. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not working on anything like that yet. Yet, exactly. Yet. Maybe uh Adam Sandler wants to do a second one and you're gonna write that. So we'll see. <laughs> aspirations you didn't even know coming in and we already got some all of one and a half minutes into the podcast that'll work <laughs> gotta start somewhere on the show because that's like how this works i guess but a deeply unfair question how are you um i'm hanging in there i'm i'm actually doing pretty good that's i don't want to be pessimistic i'm getting over some kind of cold and just kind of trudging along in the day-to-day you know Year three of this, I guess, pandemic ongoing. So how are you? Great question. I never know how to answer this because I realize that my day of preparation for this always never involves me thinking, how am I? It's always about the other person. So I'm like, wow, how am I? Uh, Yeah, I'm good enough. It's one of the few times where I'm like, oh, yeah, you're experiencing the identical weather I am as an Arkansan. (laughs) Yeah, it finally got cold. Oh, I've been waiting for that so much. I'm I hate it when it's like eighty degrees in November. I can't. I'm take all about it. it. I love I it. Cannot take it. No, I think I was born for like Canadian climes or something. <laughs> I don't belong here. This is too hot. I I can't take it. I'll take unseasonably semi warm November for me personally. Give me that. Give me like sunlight where you can actually feel it. I want all of that. That's what I want. Most of the year, I'd say eight or nine months out of the year, the sun is my enemy. I can't. mm -mm. But this is like now that it's like 40 degrees today, this is perfect hiking weather. Fair enough. Yeah, it is nice. And I'm like, oh, this is nice because it's a respite from very intense southern summers. But then eventually I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good for a while. And then it's like, (laughs) oh, cool. I got like four more months of this. Fantastic. Mm, I love winter. Just because it feels like summer is like eight months long. That is true. It does feel intense for a long time. I guess it's, uh, I guess I just have a short shelf life of how much cold I can take. And eventually it's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. That's fair. Yeah. So before this, we were talking about the current state of Twitter, which is fascinating Uh and eventful every second of the day, seemingly at this point, as we watch the, uh, well, I want to say demise, that'd be ideal of a billionaire just seems like a genuine stupid person at this point. Well, his very public, like, fumbling of twitter is definitely driving his other companies into the ground last i checked yeah like tesla and spacex are like people are kind of backing away from them i think that's probably for the best because i don't know that even if it's like obviously he's it's not anything directly related to it in that he's tweeting things out about either of the companies it's more of a yeah i don't think i have much confidence in this guy to run anything which by the way like as if he earned that before yeah, no. I mean, I think I mean he's made some very public mistakes, and people, for whatever reason, just keep giving him the benefit of the doubt. And maybe it's because when you're the CEO of a company like SpaceX, it's a lot easier to play the genius hmm. as opposed to Twitter, where <laughs> your every failure is very public and is like mercilessly mocked by the angry bag of weasels you're trying to drag behind you. You know, like yeah. He brought an ego to a knife fight, and that's not... It's entertaining, I'll say that. And I guess, you know, if we're going down, which I'm not confident that we are, but if Twitter's going down, we're definitely going to, like, take his bruised and bloody corpse with us. But. <laughs> In terms of, like, whether it is or isn't, I don't I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I think it's one of those things where, you know, in any company, but social media companies, mm-hmm. at a certain point, you just get grandfathered in. And it's got to be that much more dramatic of a fall from grace to where it's the decisions made for it. It's that much of a disaster that it goes under. I mean, Facebook is still going strong. I don't think Twitter will end. I mean, I think he might get bored of being bullied and try to recoup his losses and like sell it off and go wander off, you know, and try to build like 
I think I said earlier, what was it like Tesla Atlantis or something? Some yeah. other, you know, outlandish ego driven project and hopefully leave us all to, <laughs> it's like when you're walking through the woods and you want to see what's under a rock and you pick it up and there's a bunch of creepy crawlies under there and then you let the rock go back down and hike off. And I just wish he would put the rock back down and go on his way. Yeah. I think the the big mistake that I've seen some people on Twitter make is just the idea that he'll learn anything from this. <laughs> like, no, that's not how he functions no. at all. He doesn't everything Clearly. is about what it everything is about what it does for him. You know, it's like the Elon centered universe. It's like that's not how this guy works. He did this God, he's such a loser. <laughs> that's the thing that's fascinating to me is like you are a billionaire. You have unlimited resources. You can do anything you want. But he and wants this to be is, cool. And you can't buy cool or funny. Worst is he thinks he's funny. Yeah. And it's just like, man, you don't even have the cliched like dad humor. You don't even have that. All you do is circulate memes that you steal. You're a billionaire. And I don't, by the way, for the record, I don't say that in any sort of um, admirative or admiration related way. It's a condemnation. But it's also like... You don't see any other billionaire who's not just tweeting the most basic stuff about their foundation that they're using to buy salvation for all the shitty things they did in the first place. No, but he wants a fan club. And like, I don't know. I don't know if he's puzzled when a large chunk of us on Twitter (laughs) just hate his guts, you know? Yeah. For being so shitty to us. It says a reason that he's a guy who only surrounds himself with people that validate him. And he sees his workers as... Truly, people would do whatever he says at any point. He's deeply anti-union. He's like any other billionaire in that these are the people that created his wealth, but he deeply resents their existence in which they wouldn't exist. Uh, Man, I'm kind of tired. I don't really have a filter today. I just think they're all (laughs) sociopathic pieces of shit. Yeah. I mean, all billionaires suck. I do think money is poisonous. I think I think wealth is a corrosive thing. Uh, not only on like your ability to relate to other people, but actually on your morality. I mean, that's that's not an uncommon opinion to hold, but I don't know. I just think I think wealth rots you. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that uh, you can't morally become a billionaire. No. The things you have to do to that are immoral, innately immoral. The antithesis of empathy, you know, it's just that you mm-hmm. you just can't do it. It's just not how it works, you know, like... We live in a country of oligarchies at this point that have this obscene wealth that hoard it. These billionaires are some of the cheapest fuckers in the world. And they'll do whatever they have to do to cut corners. I mean, Musk is already doing that. He's freaking out because he overpaid for Twitter 11 times more than it's worth, I think. 12 times. Like, they say it's worth $45 billion. He paid $44 billion, which seemingly is a number he'd arrived at just by throwing it out there to show off. It's incredible. It's just incredible. <laughs> Like, you know, you, you almost marvel at it because there's just so many layers of sad and pathetic. Even now, he's just doing anything he can to get money to the point of, like, the Twitter blue and it's $8 and you can be verified because that's what he thinks is, like, the cultural cachet for people, which is, like, man, you're on this website all the time and you don't even know how it works. No, it's very apparent that the way he thinks about the things that he thinks are privileges that people are going to and the things that he thinks that people want is just all broken it like his brain is broken (laughs) yeah yeah i think that's a fair summation really of his situation he's just that a completely broken brain like he can do anything and this is what he does which is kind of amazing oh yeah like his i my some of the things that i've been enjoying on twitter that he made possible is um the brand impersonation that tanked lockheed martin and eli lee's stocks yeah have you seen those tweets yes oh yeah yeah that's like more of that please Let's go after like BP and you know some climate change, like climate causing monsters, and let's fossil fuel. The funny thing is that when the stocks were tanked like that, that's what made me think that it could go under. Is when it's messing with other people's money. Otherwise, it's a folly that purely affects him, but now it's affecting other people. I'm not gonna feel sorry for him. I don't know. I think Twitter will survive or to kind of mutate. After he's gone, but um, I'm not sure when that'll happen. I hope it will anyway. It's been a fun thing in my life for the past 13 years, and I hope it sticks around. So have you been, like, active-active on Twitter? Like, not just having 
an account for 13 years because I, I got mine in 2011 and didn't really start using it until like maybe a little bit like 2018 and then much more during the pandemic. Pretty much. I mean, yeah, I think so. I got it in 2009, which was back when I, um, I was living in uh, Ningxia, China back then. And I mean, there have been years that I've been like more active than others, but and I think I've, I don't know, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the simple answer. <laughs> Why were you in China, if you don't mind my asking? Uh, I was teaching English at a university there for a couple of years. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. That was the experience of just living in China for multiple years. I was living in Yunchuan, which is the provincial capital of Ningxia province, or sorry, Ningxia Hui Autonomous Region, which is sort of in the... it's. Considered the Northwest, it's sort of, you know how China looks like, the outline of China looks like a chicken, kind of? Yeah. Okay, so Ningxia is like right on the saddleback of the chicken. Okay. It was very arid. It rained like maybe two or three days a year. It was kind of on the edge of the Tungar Desert. So there was just dust everywhere. Very, (laughs) very little plant life. Everything was just concrete and gray and brown. (laughs) So that part of it I did not love. Um, I really enjoyed connecting with my students, though. And just living cross-culturally was really fascinating on a day-to-day basis, but exhausting because you could never just be on autopilot. Like, you had to be on on all the time, like, trying to pay attention to, like, any any customs you might be violating or miscommunications you might be committing. So, yeah, it's not like... Oh, well, you know, like, okay, well, these are done, but it's like, oh, I got to remember this, that, that. In this case, I do that. Even in the more modern sense, it's a lot of, seemingly a lot of logistics to it. And I was, there were only, so Ningxia is one of the smallest and poorest provinces in China. And I was one of only 40, I think, 40, like, foreigners in the province at that time. So I saw a lot of people who had just never seen a non-Chinese person before. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like, I was leaving the school. I was walking out the school gate to go to the supermarket one night. And there was this older gentleman sitting on the steps outside the school gate. And he saw me and did like this triple take. And I said, to be respectful, I said, Nin Hao, which is, you know, hello, <laughs> good evening. Um, and he, he almost like fell over backwards and I was like, oh my God, have I given this guy a heart attack? Like just walking past? Like, so (laughs) yeah, it was, there were little moments like that, that, that were just kind of like back burner stressful all the time. (laughs) But yeah, I I learned a lot and had a lot of really remarkable experiences that there's no other way I could have had them. So it was worth it. So this is probably a dumb question. So you're fluent in Chinese? No, I of course took Chinese lessons while I was there, but I was teaching my students English, so so I didn't have to have Chinese for the classroom. And I I did the best I could like outside of the classroom. I I learned some and enough to get by, um, which I've forgotten most of by now. This was long enough ago, I guess, that before there was easy to use like app translators. Yeah, it was definitely like it was. I didn't even have a smartphone at that point. It was two thousand eight to through two thousand and ten, um, and. I had a language tutor, but the second year I was there, H1N1 was happening, and oh, she wow. got quarantined on her campus, and so I wasn't allowed to meet with her the second, like the whole second year I was there. So, yeah, I just kind of muddled through as best I can. My sister is extremely fluent in Chinese. She lived in a different city in China, in the southeast, for like ten years, and she has she lives in Nashville now, but she's got coworkers and friends who. Are Chinese and she like speaks it on a daily basis and she's really good at it. I'm nowhere near her level. Seems like a pretty complicated. Uh, takes time to really get it down because it can be really complicated. Yeah, it's nothing. It shares zero similarities with English. You know, no common ancestors or structure similarities really. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a definitely a learning curve. It's not just like a. It's it's a lot harder than any other romance languages for an English speaker. I imagine too that, you know, when you first got there and forever long after that, though it was such like a culture shock to really readjust, to adjust to that. How long before you got into some kind of like relative routine to understanding what you need to do in the short term, I guess? Does that make sense? I mean, so we were on a 
routine for sure with like class schedules and um, I had a couple of American teammates um, who I could hang out with and if I needed to go somewhere that I needed a translator, I would I would just see if any of my students were available to come with me. Hmm. So I, I did never really feel at home because, yeah, it, it was just a completely different culture, completely different in every aspect. Not like going to Canada and you're like, yeah, this is no. Pennsylvania, like, you know? yeah. Like two years is not enough to feel at home in China. I think my sister was like getting there, by her like eight, nine, ten years there. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's just completely different. I really did miss like plant life. <laughs> I was gonna say that yeah, you you seem pretty into horticulture, so the fact that it's yeah. arid and dust everywhere and not really very green, yeah, that seems like its own form of culture shock, I suppose, to you know that was you're not surrounded honestly, by that. Looking back, I think not having any like animals in my day to day life, like not we we didn't have pets and not having like I had houseplants, but not having like nature around me was probably one of the toughest things about it. And I'll tell you this little story. We went to Suyuko National Forest for a coworker's birthday celebration in like, I think it was in April, um, which is this like forested ravine in the Halan Mountains outside uh, Inchuan. And <clears throat> I remember like we drove through, you know, the usual like arid landscape with like this desert scrub kind of was like the, there were a few trees, but like they were just spindly and, and you could tell they were struggling. Um, <laughs> but then we get to the forest preserve and I got out of the van and I remember this moment vividly because I've never felt anything like it since then. And I'm not really even sure I know how to describe it. But I got out of the van and I was looking around at like these layers of greenery. There, it was like a multi-story forest with like vines and forbs and, you know, trees like covering the mountainsides. And I just felt this like almost physical sense of just like unfurling. Like I just... I felt like I was finally taking a deep breath after holding it for like two years. Um, yeah. And like in the moment, I was like, whoa, that's weird. <laughs> but, you know, and, and we, we really enjoyed our day there. But that sort of <laughs> that experience, which it sounds really mystical and I'm not really a mystical person. Hmm. Um, I'm religious, but not. Yeah, not really a mystic. Um, but it was like a very visceral experience that alerted me to the fact that like, okay, maybe you need this in your life. Maybe it's not just something that's nice to have. Maybe this is something that's like necessary for you and your mental health. Yeah. So that is interesting how that works sometimes, whether it's, you know, in this case being overwhelmed by the lushness of a forest or just kind of like how sometimes your biology can tell you something that is more than just mental, you know, like, Oh, okay. There's something to this. Yeah. I, and it wasn't like going back and looking at pictures of it, like it's not even that lush of a landscape, but compared to what I had been living in day to day, it was, um, I don't know. It was just, it was different. It was, it was teeming with, you know, green life compared yeah. to the dust and the concrete of the city. But like compared to Arkansas, like Arkansas is, that's one thing I do like about living here. I hate the heat, but I love that there's so much wildlife and so much plant life, even in the, like the middle of Little Rock. Yeah. You know, absolutely. We see deer and foxes and hawks in our neighborhood and we're like, not really that suburban. So, <laughs> but that's the other thing is too, like as being the relative opposite to arid Chinese village, you can also take that for granted because it's always around you. And, you know, you run the risk of it becoming white noise. When did you start working for the Arkansas Library System? Pretty shortly after I got back. Okay. I think it was 2011, I think. So I've been I've been there for over 10 years at this point. What made you go towards that job? Uh, well, I mean, I'm a book nerd. I've always liked to read. And it was something that I felt like was a public service position, which was important to me. And they... 
had a friend who worked in the system. Um, well, I had done like a, a an internship with them one summer and made a friend, and then she let me know when there was an opening. So it just it was a natural fit. Can you tell me what is the hierarchy of jobs within like a library like that? The umbrella term for just a lot of people is, oh, you work in a library, you're a librarian. Oh, but there okay. are different levels to that, right? So I'm not an official librarian. I don't have a library science degree yet. I did just apply for grad school and I'll be starting in January Nice to get my um, information science degree. But yeah, you're, you're considered an official librarian if you have that degree. And the rest of us are library workers. Was that your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, just kind of how that worked. Because I know in my brain, I was just like, oh, yeah, people who work in a library are librarians. But then I kind of briefly looked at what a typical or general broad hierarchy is. And it's just there are levels to it. One of which is a librarian. And there are certain things, requirements to be considered that. So I suppose not aware. So there are positions within the library system that do require you to have an information science degree. And that's more particularly if you're working for um, our collection development department or tech services. And some people in our admin department don't even have it, um, but some people do. Most manager managers in our system don't have it. Um, I think CALS is one of the systems, one of the larger systems in the U.S. that has a pretty high percentage of people without their MLIS degree okay. yet so they you know they're encouraging of us to try to get them but you don't have to have it to to know what you're doing at the circulation desk and to help people um, with their the things that they come to the library for which is far far more than just you know books not to say just books but gosh there's so many things we do on a day-to-day -day basis that have nothing to do with books such as um my branch is really it focused on providing internet access to our community. We nice. have 12 internet computers that are almost always full. We have study rooms. We are helping people with online job applications and resumes. And we provide after-school meals for kids. We, we help people sign up for SNAP benefits. We, of course, have, like, programming for kids to come, like, gosh, you know, sometimes they'll have, like, a... Chinese New Year party or teddy bear camp out or something like that. You know, so the our children's programmers are always busy. We send a lot of faxes, which in 2022 is still happening somehow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I send probably like 15 faxes a day. We notarize documents for people. We do scans and copies and all kinds of like, I guess, business center stuff for people who may not have like internet access or computers at their home. And I will say, I think we serve a demographic of people at my branch in particular, with the neighborhoods that are around us, people who are mostly underserved in a lot of different areas. Yeah, fair enough. Because uh, it just really does make you, make you, make me appreciate and have a better understanding of just like truly like what a community utility it is, a library. Yeah, we're an early voting site too. Like, Amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and you definitely can check out books. That's not what we check out the most though at our branch we do we have dvds we have audiobooks we have telescopes we have fishing poles we have a seed library we have uh like kits that you can stick in your outlets and figure out like where your energy is what are they called kilowatt kits i think oh wow where you can like figure out where any in energy inefficiencies in your home might be and there's a tool library at the d brown library what else is there there's gosh there's so many like projects people are working on all the time across the system so. so does that mean that, like a seed library, for example, that yeah. that spawned out of somebody that's, within there deciding, like, we need to have this utility? Yeah, so I, um, that's actually the pet project of me, myself and my coworker, Vanessa, who, she's in the Master Gardeners program right now, and I am currently studying to become a Habitat Advisor with the Central Arkansas Master Naturalists. So she takes care of, like, the vegetables and herbs and things seeds for those things um, we do also have like a small garden like a raised bed garden at our branch and she manages that i help and then with the seed library i i tend to try to focus on native plant species for people to encourage wildlife in their yards and support pollinators and really just support healthy native ecosystems since you know the the climate and the biodiversity crises are <laughs> I can't think about them too 
hard without like getting super angry, which I will refrain from doing on your podcast. Hey, I just ranted about Elon Musk, so do what you need to do. But yeah, I understand. How much work is there to set one of those up? It's not super intensive. It is a little tedious if you... I I don't think of it that way because I enjoy doing all the little detailed tasks, but... I guess it's more that I didn't re- I don't realize how complicated of a thing it is, I suppose. So we have... I mean, what it looks like is that we have an old card catalog, like a freestanding card catalog that was somewhere in the basement at the main library. And we... We labeled the drawer sections as like vegetables, fruits, herbs, flowers, and native species, grasses and things. Uh, And then we have inside those drawers alphabetized seed packets for the different varieties of vegetables and and flowers and whatever else people want to grow. And people can come check out seed packets, take them home, grow them, and then collect seeds from either those vegetables and fruits or flowers and bring them back to us so that we keep the the seed library going okay that makes sense as far as so like my one of my primary tasks is processing the seeds that are donated to us by people so like let's say they bring in like a plastic bag of like 500 basil seeds or and there's they're that's they're not ever counted that's ridiculous (laughs) but um or or like an envelope of you know, hibiscus seeds or whatever. So um, my job is to try to identify as closely as I can, like what particular species of seed this is, if they don't know themselves, and then um, divide them into envelopes, like split them up into a number of envelopes so that, you know, more than one person can borrow them. Uh, And then then hand label uh, the envelopes with, you know, what species or what variety or what kind of plant it is and as much information as we have about it that'll help people grow it successfully. That's really cool. I just had no idea. Yeah, it's it's really fun. I think it's one of the most fun projects I've worked on in the last few years. I've really enjoyed it. Also, just a, a reminder, certainly for me, but just that, again, I, I guess I just go back to the word, and maybe it's not necessarily the right word, but utility about what, what all you can get out of a library that maybe not everybody knows about. Yeah, for sure. Maybe resource is a better word. If anybody listening to this hasn't been to your public library in a while, I would highly encourage you to just stop by one day and just see what's going on because you never know what you're going to find in a public library. Yeah, no joke. Not, I mean, not to get too like pandemic ages, but by the nature of how mm-hmm. pandemic y this show was for probably at least a year. But what was that like for the library? Like, how long was it like closed off to the public for you? How long were you there every day per usual? Well, we were closed from like in 2020 from like March to I think I think it was May when we started going back into the building. They had us doing remote work for a while, um, <clears throat> about a month. And then we started back in May. <clears throat> and for a while it was that staff was in the building masked up, but patrons were only allowed in a limited number of hours certain days of the week. Um, and we were doing curbside service for everything else. So people could come pick up their books like curbside or get their printouts curbside. Um, and of course use our Wi-Fi in the parking lot and stuff. Uh, and then that, I think that went on till about, gosh, I want to say maybe July. Okay. Like on the one hand, it feels like it was yesterday. On the other hand, it feels like it was 500 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, because we've been so busy since then. But then they started, you know, having people back in full time. Um, and it's just, I think it took a while for people to realize we were open again. But once they did, like, we're just as busy as we've ever been. Um, and we, I, the staff masked for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and patrons were less... <laughs> inclined to mask after the uh, mask mandate went away but and yeah now now pretty much everybody is unmasked so uh, yeah it's not ideal but it is what it is it's life you know going forward oh i was curious too by the way that you said in january you're enrolling to get your uh, master's degree do you know what like what the general like sort of nature of like the curriculum is or something like that uh, so I'm going to be doing online 
class through University of Tennessee Knoxville. Okay. Um, and I don't have my catalog yet, so I'm not sure I can answer that. Um, I know that I want to <clears throat> try to focus my studies on science librarianship, which is like STEM librarianship, basically, uh, you know, doing assisting scientists with research and stuff like that. Because again, like the the botany and biology aspects of things is what is really most interesting to me. So you maintain the is it a garden for that branch or is it something like more related to like more of a central Arkansas library system garden? Several of Cal's branches have gardens, including McMath. We um they built us some raised bed gardens this past like early, early spring. So this is our first year to have the garden. Oh cool. Uh, we have raised beds and oh gosh, uh it's been a journey. We had, I think in in May of this year, we had some somebody come along at 4 a.m., uh, not in their right mind, and rip every single plant out of the ground. Oh, man. Uh, which was really discouraging. Like, even my cactus. Um, we have, oh, if, if we can get on patron stories, like, I have a billion of those. But we have this really sweet patron who brought us, when we got the garden developed, we were a little worried about the quality of the soil that was put in them. Cause it was really sandy um and i was talking about it with the patron one day and the next time she visited she brought us a cactus pad from her own yard it was the one of the apuntia cactuses and that was just the sweetest thing to me i loved that so i put it in my garden bed and um it was growing happily and making new little cactus pad offshoots and he even the the guy who ripped everything out he even ripped the cactus out which you know, I, it survived. I put it in a pot and it's, it's still alive, but okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah. There a lot of stuff did not make it. And that was pretty discouraging, but we, you know, we put new crops in the ground and kept going and made the best of it. And we've got, we got a pretty decent yield and all the produce goes to patrons. It's just put out for free and they can take what they want. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. If you have patron stories, I'm all about it. I know, <laughs> I know that you you had tweeted about capital T capital S the shroud. Yeah, the shroud. He's one of my favorite patrons, to be honest. It's very intriguing. It's a guy who comes in in multiple layers of just all black, just head to toe black, including like he's got the the hoodie, the hood of his hoodie pulled up. He keeps black sunglasses on all the time, a black face mask, and this like black veil over his face which is so interesting but super quiet just like charges his phone or like uses the computer i think he might be unhoused i'm not sure okay but um yeah super polite and just like zero trouble and just very intriguing but we leave him alone you know yeah. we respect patron privacy and yeah it's always an interesting day when the shroud visits <laughs> Yeah, I mean, eventually, I'm sure it's just, you know, initially you're like, okay, and then now it's like, hey, there's the shroud, and then he's just going about his business. Yeah, and Yeah, like, we don't know what his deal is, and we don't really care, you know, as long as he feels welcome in the library. Yeah, just kind and enigmatic, and there we go. It's the shroud. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, one of my favorite patron stories is from a couple of years ago. This lady, an older lady, walked in and asked if she could use uh, the desk phone to call 911 and I was like sure please you know something weird happened obviously go ahead and call emergency services so <clears throat> I heard her talking to the dispatcher and saying yeah somebody's been stabbed at Betty Betty's Beauty Bazaar next door and they're bleeding and I was like oh Jesus so I went to Google and I was looking up the address of Betty's Beauty to to give it to the dispatcher so they didn't you know, send somebody to the library for caller ID. Yeah. Um, so while I'm looking up the address to Betty's Beauty Bazaar, I heard her telling her, the dispatcher more about what had happened. And she was saying, well, I was I was there to get my hair done and she wouldn't get out of my way. And I didn't like her face. And I told her to move, but she didn't do it. So I stabbed her. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, and at that point, I was like, oh. Okay, I see what's happening here. Oh, this is not a passive report at all. <laughs> no, what's sad is that when you when you started going down a certain direction with that story, my eyes got big and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't know how serious it was because we never, like, I listened for sirens and I didn't hear anything. Um, and there was, like, 
no news report of anybody bleeding out at Betty's Beauty Bazaar or anything. But um, <laughs> so she hung up on 911 and then she left the building and 911 called back. Um, I think that's their policy whenever someone hangs up. Yeah. And they were like, is she still there? And I was like, no, sir. She left the building and I was not about to get in her way. <laughs> like, you probably only need one stabbing to deal with today. Yeah, fair. I also thought that maybe you were going to Google that and then find out that there never there isn't actually a Betty's Beauty, Beauty oh, no, Bazaar. Oh, there is one next door. Uh, fair enough. Knock on everything, but it sounds like somebody... <laughs> I feel like I'd remember that, but then again... To your point, time is a blur, and it could, and some things feel like they could have been yesterday or 13 years ago. So maybe not, but hopefully it's one of the good type of kooks that it's not a real thing, and it's just calling that number because, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I mean, she seemed dead serious, and she didn't seem like unhinged or anything. So who knows? But yeah, it was definitely uh, one of those ones where, like, in the moment, you're like, this is definitely going to be funny later. <laughs> Yeah, and it's also too, but just the idea that I'm going to help her out, I'm going to look this up, blah, blah, blah. And then you realize, oh, she didn't just witness that. She is the prospective stabber. <laughs> she is the stabber, yeah. <laughs> that, okay, twist. Yeah, this uh, that just changed the dynamic a little bit. Fair enough. Oh, yeah, I remember her saying something like, I am 66 years old. I ain't got time for that shit. And I was like, well, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I guess we all have different levels of patience and deal with that in <laughs> different, uh, many blessed different ways. And <clears throat> fair enough. Yeah, that's a pretty memorable one. Yeah. Um, let's see. We had, we had somebody set our lobby on fire one time. Um, and I'm just, <laughs> these are like the most outrageous things I'm telling you. Like it is not this exciting on a day to day. No, but of course, yeah, understandably but, they, they stand out. <clears throat> right. There was just another patron who was, I think, mentally unwell and kind of paranoid. And so she brought in a little bottle of like gasoline and poured it in the lobby and lit a match and took off <laughs> okay. so that was an exciting day um there's good stuff too like one time this guy who had been coming in pretty regularly for a couple of months like he would just sign up to a computer and like sit there for a couple of hours and then check out but um he came in one time and he had this big bouquet of flowers and he said i'm fixing to leave town tomorrow and just wanted to bring y'all something to show you how much i appreciate all your help and it was so sweet um so That's sometimes really nice. you're just like sometimes crazy stuff goes down and sometimes really sweet things happen and <laughs> it's a mixed <laughs> bag but it's never dull there is that that is really nice though just be yeah. oh okay yeah yeah patrons can be really really sweet That's a good one i like that one there's also let's see another patron story um i've got one of my favorite families comes in. Uh, it's three little boys and their mom and their dad. And one time they came in and the oldest kid, who's probably like seven or eight, he was asking, he always asks for books on several different topics that he's interested in at the time, which is like my favorite thing. When, yeah. when kids like know what they want to learn about and you get to show them the resources on it. Um, but this time he asked for, I think it was books about like fishing and basketball and a book about training a puppy and and i was like okay are you guys planning on training a puppy soon and his mom said no we don't have a dog but this is his way of telling me that he wants a dog and i was like oh oh subtle like for an eight-year-old like that's pretty clever that's that's kind of a a boss move so yeah um and then like a, a year later um they were checking out books, more books about dog training. And I was like, oh, are you still still thinking about a puppy? She goes, no, we have one now. And I was like, oh, he, it worked. <laughs> it's like, like it's just getting worked on you. So, yeah, um, that was pretty fun. Nice self-fulfilling prophecy. Very clever. Yeah. I like it. I mean, at least, you know, he was doing his research. Kind of how I was going to the library when I was a kid, too. It's like uh, I get interested in a thing and then be like, well, let me learn everything about this until I get tired of it and move on to the next thing. The first time I ever learned the word fuck was at the library. Someone had typed it into, I was like 11 or so. Yeah. And someone had opened up just like a blank document. This was like way back in the 90s. Um, and just like typed that word a bunch of times. And I was like, 
what does that mean? So I went and got the <laughs> librarian and I was like, hey, um, I don't think this computer is working right. And she was like, she was so flustered and embarrassed. Uh, and I, that's how I sort of found out. I was like, oh, that must not be a good word. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea too. I asked you like, so what made you want to be a librarian? You're like, well, one day in the 90s, I looked in this document and said the word fuck. And it's like, that's when I knew this is the library life is for me. <laughs> yeah. You work with the Audubon Society, is that right? Or oh no, I I mean today or work I with, volunteered with them. okay, but yeah, volunteer for them with them. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, they're they're doing a lot of really good work in Central Arkansas. So um, one of their projects is the Native Project, which is natural no Native agriculture to in, invigorate slightly forced ecosystems. <laughs> okay, um, and they they harvest native seeds and encourage farmers to plant a portion of their land with native seeds for the benefit of wildlife. And then they can also like harvest those seeds and sell them um, to people who are looking for native plant seeds. That's fantastic. So we went out to a prairie area today and we're harvesting seeds and it was fun. What is the process of harvesting seeds? Is it, is it a complicated thing or? No, um, just have a bucket and some clippers and, um, she assigns different species to different people, uh, so we're not all like over harvesting things. Um, yeah. And my species today was long bracked wild indigo, which is Baptisia bracteata. And um, I'm only supposed to harvest about fifty percent of the seeds that I see. So I would I would just clip off about every other seed pod cluster that I saw, and okay. then leave half of those to regenerate the population. That's cool. Yeah. It's, huh. a lot of, it's like a little treasure hunt, you know? Yeah. And I'd never been to a prairie before. That was my first time on a prairie ecosystem, which was really interesting because they used to be, it used to be the, I think, the largest ecosystem type in the Southeast. But um, once colonizers banned Native Americans from um, doing their, what what we now know today as prescribed burns, they used to burn the landscape on purpose before white people came yeah um and then and that would keep the the prairie ecosystems healthy um but once once uh white people stopped native americans from doing that um the process of the succession took over and that's why we have so many like pine and uh hardwood not they're not old growth forests but you know they've been probably around for a couple hundred years at this point um, but that's not what our landscape used to look like. It used to be largely prairie. How far out did you have to go? Did you have to drive to get to that area? Uh, it was out near Stuttgart. It was the Roth Prairie Natural Area, which okay. is, um, I think, under the jurisdiction or under the care of Audubon, Arkansas. That's really cool. I feel like I'm saying that a lot, but it is. It is very cool. It is cool. I agree. <laughs> Are there any misconceptions about librarians or things that to dispel exactly? I don't know what that would be, but just misconceptions. Yeah. yeah, please. Yeah. Um, people, like one of the most common ones is that people think that being a librarian means that you sit around and read all day, which <laughs> obviously is not true. Um, I wish I had more time to read than I really do. I, I only probably read like one or two books a month at this point, which is, I would like it to be a lot more, but there's just not time. You know, we're yeah. so busy. Um, a lot of people think of libraries as these like hushed, quiet, uh, sanctums of erudition. And that's just so like academic libraries, maybe, but public libraries, hell no, we are, <laughs> we are boisterous. We are active. Um, we are doing a hundred things a minute. It's, you know, there's families, there's kids, there's all kinds of stuff going on all the time. Um, I wish it was calmer, to be honest. <laughs> see. I wish we had the luxury of shushing people and going back to turning our noses up and or reading our book. But no, we got the shroud. We still we got do. The <laughs> we still do get to shush people if they're like using speakerphone in a public area or something. Which, ah, which fair enough. That's just yeah. common courtesy at that point. But as opposed to like, we need complete silence. No, that's what I would prefer, but we don't we don't do that anymore. <laughs> we got the shroud, we got the word fuck, we got things to do. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a crazy space. 
Let's see. What are some other misconceptions? I don't know. I don't know. It's not just books. You know, it's, it's a bunch of stuff now. That, I mean, that's just my, my word of advice to people who are listening. Go go visit your public library. Go renew your library card if you haven't in a while. Or sign up for one for the first time if you haven't ever done that. And I guarantee you it's worth it. I'd say to your point, even just renewing your library card allows you all kinds of website-related, like internet-related things without even necessarily... Yeah. I, I know I'm not discouraging people from going to the library, but there are plenty of things without stepping outside your house you can u- utilize as a result of it. Yeah, we do ebooks, we do e-audio books, we have databases you can get through to your, to through your librarian. Um, I, I said that poorly. We have resources and <laughs> databases you can get to through your library using your like barcode number or whatever. Um, is the Central Arkansas Library System, is it part of Canopy? Do you know what that is? I do know. I don't think we have it right now, but okay. I believe we got an email a little while back that said that we are maybe planning on getting it in the new year. Don't quote me on that. But okay, fair enough. Keep your ears and eyes peeled. Okay. Yeah, I just I forgot about that. just randomly thought about that. Um, this has been really illuminating. I learned a ton. I had no idea. <laughs> but that was part of the reason why, because I just... Uh, woefully ignorant i think it's a really interesting thing and it's a pretty awesome resource that again i just wasn't fully aware of what all it offered and it's incredible it's really impressive yeah we have graphic novels we have you know audiobooks i think i already said that sorry telescopes fishing poles sea libraries movies documentaries you know Got stuff. Got a many splendid thing. Just get your library card. I mean, just in general, have it on you. You never know. All kinds of stuff. um, For ours, you can, even if you don't have your library card, if you have the app, your barcode's on there, or you can just use your ID and we can look you up that way. Perfect. Very easy. But please do bring your card because that's a lot easier. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, don't be that person. Please use your card. Uh, don't stab people, anyone, <laughs> because you're impatient at a beautician's place. <laughs> Whatever the case may be, don't. You know, be please a nice, refrain. passive person like the Shroud, please. Please refrain, refrain from open flames. Yeah. Indeed. One time, oh, I was so mad I missed this. One time, someone found a snake in a study room. I was gone at lunch, and I, I, I love snakes. Like, I go look for them so I can hang out with them. But I wasn't there when they found the snake in the study room. And it was just a little bitty, like, earth snake or something. Like, a, one of the super tiny little guys. But they all told me about it when I got back. And I'm so mad that I missed it. <laughs> like, I was built for this. This was my moment. I'm definitely, like, the spider taker outsider. You know, everybody knows. Call Lara. She'll <laughs> she'll take it out. Don't kill it. That's my thing. Don't Don't kill it. Just... Remand them to my guardianship, and I will make sure they get where they need to go. I remember I saw that movie Arachnophobia in the theater when I was a kid, and then, and I was like, "Yeah, cool, Arachnophobia." And then it came out like on VHS, and for whatever reason, that's when it really affected me, and it made me terrified of spiders. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was about that. I had nightmares for I want to say months, but I was a child. You know, I was a kid, so maybe it was like. It might have been like three days, but it felt like an eternity for a child. But uh, I've since made my peace with that, and I don't ever kill spiders or insects or anything. Oh, good for you. Because that's because we're the visitors, really. That's so. right. They were here for millions of years before we were, so we're interloping on them. Hundred percent. Yeah, it feels. I don't know. It just feels very human to want to to then kill a thing when we're the visitors. You know the hypocrisy of that. So I don't. Uh, Kill anything. Well, it's, I, I avoid it as much as one physically can. Uh, I don't even know what that means. I don't kill things. I'm a good person. Great person. Good person. Um, I know that before we started recording, too, you said you had nothing to plug as we're landing this plane, but uh, what all other things, things that you enjoy, like, recommend, do you want to point people toward? Ooh, okay, so let's see. Um, 
first, music-wise. Okay. Uh, there's a, an album that came out this year by The Who, H-U, which is a Mongolian folk metal band. I've heard of and them, And their yeah. new album is called Rumble of Thunder, and I've been really enjoying that. I think I'm listening to that, and then I think about it. Yeah, really cool. Uh, yeah. I, I got to visit Mongolia before I left China, and it was... I would go back in a heartbeat. It was great. Um, <clears throat> TV-wise... I think the best show on right now is Reservation Dogs, um, which is about a group of kids in a Muskogee reservation in Oklahoma. And it's a really funny show, but it's also like really poignant because they're dealing with the aftermath of their friend's suicide. Um, so there's like, it's really meaningful and deep, but also just funny as hell. Um, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Food wise. Utz makes a kind of chip that is flavored uh, with fried dill pickle, which are amazing. Okay. Um, I've been drinking a lot of rooibos tea to try to get over this throat thing I have right now. So, shout out to rooibos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. I think probably book-wise, hmm, I just finished reading... Killers of the Flower Moon, um, yeah. which is about the Osage murders. And, I, well, I listened to the audiobook while I was taking a road trip, so that counts, though. So that's what that's what I've been into lately. Nice. Those are good recommendations. Thank you for doing this, by the way. This is, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, you're welcome. I don't, I don't really, yeah, like, I'm, I'm not really someone who's your standard podcast guest. I'm just, like, a library person in Little Rock. Arkansas. <laughs> but thanks for wanting to talk to me, I guess. No, I, I just appreciate your time. And it's not, there is no, this is who I talk to, only this. No, it's like anybody. <laughs> so I just appreciate your time. I learned a yeah. lot and that was really interesting. So thank yeah, you. Well, hit me up with any library questions. Support your local public library. Go check it out if you haven't been lately and um, take care of yourself these days and all. Yes. Agreed. Thank you. I got to now switch arbitrarily but still to the audience thank you all for listening please stay safe please take care please lead with empathy please be kind to yourself i might have already said that i don't think so maybe let's say it again be kind to yourself be kind to others stay safe take care be well bye bye